mindfulness mode. I resisted it. And I said, love should not be in here. Love sounds weak. It sounds feminine. This is a masculine ideals we're putting together. And thankfully, I was wrong. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I put together a training module called the Stand Up Now Blueprint. Are you feeling overwhelmed or struggling with anxiety and stress? Can you imagine how it would feel to be happier and more relaxed with with more peace in your life? Well, my training will help you transition to a new place of contentment. It focuses on five simple ways to move from struggling to productive. As a result of this experience, you'll accomplish more that matters to you in your life. So to put it simply, you'll be happier. This training is free and you can get it at mindfulnessmode.com slash S-U-N blueprint. That's mindfulnessmode.com slash sun blueprint. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, my guest today has interviewed hundreds of men, hundreds of, of people that fit this description. Some of them are celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, military vets. And every time he does that, he digs into their stories of what made them the powerful leaders they are today. And I'm going to do that with my guests. So I'm going to dig into his history and his past. But he's also the host of the podcast, Warrior, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes. And you might want to check that out. He's also producer of the Complete Man Summit. So I'm really excited to talk to my guest. It's Eric Rogel. Eric, are you in mindfulness mode today? Oh, absolutely, Bruce. I am. And I really, really appreciate being here today. Well, I'm excited to talk to you, and I know that you have a lot of interesting uh, viewpoints and and an interesting take on uh, men, men in our world, having worked with so many men. So, well, what does mindfulness mean to you? And maybe I could ask, what does mindfulness mean to you as it applies to men, if you see that as a different thing? Yeah, no, you know, it's interesting, Bruce. I mean, I, I do primarily work with men. It's a passion of mine, and I know just because of my own personal journey, that's kind of where it led me. But I do a lot of this and I do have women come up to me and say, hey, that that resonates with me as well. So it really does work well for both. But to um, to answer your question, what does mindfulness really mean to me? It's It's about commanding your attention rather than letting your mind command you. So it is about Um, you know, not letting your mind run wild. Your mind can be your enemy that way, but it's about commanding your attention because your attention is everything. Attention is what creates your reality. So it's, it's not just about meditation, but to me, it's about um, being in that mode, that mindfulness mode, as you call it, uh, every minute of every day, am I commanding my attention or is it running wild? You uh, talk on your podcast about different aspects of men. And one of the things that you talk about is that you feel that men today, so many men are afraid to speak their mind. Why do you think that is? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Um, I I know um, for me, it was being raised that the way that I was raised was, you know, I was raised by a single mom. Uh, I always joke that I was raised like a veal that I was kept, you know, I had to be very soft and very subtle, subtle Uh and, uh, you know, not get bumped and bruised and that kind of thing. And I was raised to be afraid 
of everything. Everything out there could hurt me. Everything out there could, you know, do harm to me. So I had to be very wary and afraid. And, and it was an interesting way to grow up. And, um, you know, I appreciate what my mom gave me in that. I mean, I know people look at it as negative, and I did for a very long time. I looked at it as a negative, but it gave me the ability to see the other side. And I see that now in a lot of men that there's a fear there of speaking their mind. There's a fear of, of being bold, a fear of standing out, saying something wrong, uh, having to apologize. And I think part of it is because we're seeing a lot of that in our society now. There are men who are being called out for things that they're doing. Does that mean all men are that way? No. But it, but it is on, on the front of everyone's mind. And, and we're seeing that more and more now. So I think it's kind of made a lot of people, men as well, kind of uh, hold back a bit and, and really rethink what they're saying and doing. And to me, it's, it's, it can be a, um, a detriment because there are some really good things we need to have uh, discussion about. And uh, I think that's part of what does it is that that fear, that governor that we place uh, in place not to say the wrong thing or upset people. So, Eric, was there a life event that happened to you that made you give your head a shake and you thought, hey, just a second, <laughs> I'm going to change. I'm going to become a different, more aggressive kind of guy. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because you just kind of popped when you said that right now. I mean, it's something I'd put my attention on in a long time because it's been a journey. You know, for me growing up, like I said, uh, my, my mom, I was raised by a single mom. My dad had left when I was 12 and mom was very hurt. And one of the things she kept saying to me was, don't be like your father. Promise me you'll never be like your father. Don't be like your father. And in my mind, I was like, wait a minute, dad's awesome. I love dad. He's very successful. He's charismatic. People love him. He was an athlete. I, I would love to be like that. So there was a disconnect there for me. And, and all through, you know, my teen years, it felt off not to be who I really felt inside as a man or growing into being a man and my own masculinity. And so when I got to college, I made a decision and I said, you know, I lived in this town my whole life and everybody knew me and I had this certain kind of identity that I had. But when I got to college, I said, nobody's going to know me and I can decide to be whoever I want to be. And I wanted to get on that path to finding my masculinity, my true masculinity, my empowering masculinity, who I was as a man, the type of man that I wanted to be and be seen as. And so I made that decision in college, which I think was the first turning point. And I said, I can be whoever I want to be. I just decide who I'm going to be right now. And that really kind of propelled me forward on that journey. And so did you get involved in sports mm -hmm. or what were your activities that you loved doing? <laughs> Yeah. And it was, it was, that's a great one too, because, you know, again, mom was afraid and I, I wanted to do martial arts my whole life. I, you know, I saw these commercials on TV for martial arts schools and I'd watch, you know, this is back in the seventies. I'm dating myself a little bit, but there was Kung Fu theater used to be on in New York where I grew up on Sunday afternoons. And I would watch this and be just fascinated by these people. And my mom was afraid of it. She said I was going to get hurt. I was going to get uh, injured. So the first thing I did when I got to college, I, I happened to walk by the first night at dinner. There was a flyer on the wall for a martial arts uh, club where you could train. And I signed up that like the next morning and got involved in it and found that I excelled in it. I absolutely loved it. It was the bumps, the bruises, the, you know, a couple of broken bones, black eye, whatever it was, that felt normal to me. It felt natural, which was 
really I, that what kind of made me look and go, all right, I can feel this beast within me, we'll call it. And it just feels natural. And, and that's really what kind of got me going forward. So yeah, a little bit sports, martial arts, got involved in all of it to kind of, you know, amp that up and feel more into that. So let's talk about your creative self. Did sure. you find creativity in martial arts or did you have another side where you, you did other things that were creative? Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, when, you know, growing up, uh, drawing design, all of that was part of who I was. I originally wanted to be an architect because I, I love to draw and build and design. And I found that, um, um, you know, after college, I actually, after I got my degree, I went back to school and went to art school and became a graphic designer. And that's how I got involved in that. So I've always had that artistic side. And what's really fascinating to me is I found out later on that um, samurai, you know, the famous samurai warriors in Japan, they would practice uh, ikebana. And ikebana is the art of flower arranging. And what fascinated me about that was here were these ultimate, ultimate warriors, right? Deadly warriors. And they had to prove their mastery of flower arranging in order to be considered a true samurai. And part of that is, you know, the embracing of the yin and yang, the both sides. Yeah. And I've always been very aware that we have masculine and feminine energy in all of us, whether you're a man or a woman. And that balance is so important. And that's what it was to the samurai. They had to prove that they could balance out that warrior side with that, what I call the lover side, the beauty, the passion, the creativity, the compassion, all of those things, wisdom, uh, nurturing. They had to prove that side as well. So, yeah, absolutely. I embrace that now and I practice that side of myself as much as I practice the warrior side of myself. Well, I've heard you talking, Eric, on your podcast, Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes. And one of the things that you said is that you used to be a pleaser. Do you feel like you were still a pleaser in, at this point in your life after college when you were just kind of getting your feet wet and getting out there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something, you know, that's been a pattern, one of those core patterns for me. And the key for me is, you know, when you become aware of it, right? So when those things start to come up, I've gotten to the point now where I can step back and look and go, all right, wait, I'm doing this to please them rather than myself. Because that's again, how I was raised. It was re I was raised to do for others, please others. But at that point in my life, it was to the detriment of myself. So if you want to do the, you know, the cliche of put your mask on, you know, the, air, the airplane um, example that we all use, put your mask on first before helping others with their own mask. That had to become part of it. So while I still love to bring value to others, do for others as part of that's that hero archetype that I talk about in Warriors, Lovers, Kings and Heroes, it's more from discernment, more being deliberate now than what it was before. It was an automatic response, right? It wasn't, and to use your terms of mindfulness, I wasn't in a mindful mode of I'm doing this to provide value and to help. It was, oh, I just have to do for others and it was autopilot. So then you, what kind of work did you do then? Did you use your design ability and you got a job in that field? And tell us about that, Eric. Yeah, yeah. I was, um, um, I was well, originally was in the restaurant business for a very long time. I, I wanted to be a chef. I loved food. The artistry and the creativity around that was something that I really, really enjoyed. And I, I worked in restaurants for many years. And then uh, upon moving to Florida, decided on a career change. And that's when I went back to school and went for design. 
And um, for me, it was a, a big decision. I, I, I was deciding between law school and art school. And everyone was trying to push me to law school because obviously they felt it was a much better career path. But when I came down to really looking at it, artists and creatives create, lawyers destroy. That's how I saw it in my mind. And I mm. said, I want to create. So I went and did that and became graphic designer. And I worked for um, magazines. I ended up um, being the creative, design, uh, creative director for several newsstand magazines and then had my own company where we would create um, vanity magazines for independent publishers. And I did that for a long time and then became a journalist on the other end and ended up traveling around the world as a men's lifestyle journalist covering food and drink and gear and gadgets and adventure travel and got to really feed that side of myself and absolutely enjoyed doing that. Wow, that sounds fascinating. So where are some of the places that you went and had interesting experiences? What pops into your mind, Eric? Oh, there's so many. I mean, we, we did some, I mean, one of the great ones I did was I got to go to Germany, to a place called Wacken, Germany. And they have what's called Wacken Open Air, which is a um, the world's largest heavy metal festival. And it takes place, so it's like Woodstock, but for heavy metal and it's outside and this field in Germany. It's massive, massive. It was just fantastic. And, you know, this to, to feed that kind of warrior side of me, um, I had a fear of heights. And so my thing is, when I look at, you know, the four archetypes, the warrior, the lover, the king, queen, or, you know, women that are listening, and hero, it's what can I overcome? That warrior part of me is what can I overcome? So when they presented us with this great opportunity to, they had a bar, that was literally just four metal bars, like I-beams welded together with a mesh floor. And then these chairs that were welded to the outside of them, they strapped you into these chairs and they had bartenders in the middle of this, you know, rectangle that was created out of the, um, the I-beams and a crane lifted you 150 feet above the crowd and swung you out over the crowd and you were doing shots and having drinks over this heavy metal festival and it was terrifying to see and so i had to do it i had to get up there and do it and we did it and that was probably one of the most memorable for me because um yeah i mean not too many people get to do something like that so uh really enjoyed it look back on that fondly and uh you know just floating because your chair is you know on, on a pole outside of the bar so you're like basically just free floating in a seat 150 feet in the air Wow. What an incredible story. That must have been an amazing experience. It was, it was. And I have pictures so I can prove it. So I, you know, I, have, uh, I do have the pictures. Eric, let's talk about truth and honesty mm. and being, I think being a, a solid man who isn't afraid to speak up and, and doesn't have this, at least is willing to face their fears, mm. which we need to do. We all have fears, sure. but you know, I think the thing is we need to face truth so let's talk about that. What does that mean to you when I say that? Oh, it's tr it's tremendously important. I mean, if you've listened to my podcast or any of the stuff that I, I teach, besides those four archetypes of the warrior, lover, king, hero, the big thing is I have what we call the sacred seven core values. And these are, when anyone asks me, what does it mean to be a man? To me, it's what does it mean to be a person? And I get asked the question a lot, like, how can I lead people in these times of like civil unrest and and, and, and the, you know, the Black Lives Matter and all these, you know, wonderful things that are happening where people are becoming more aware of how do we treat each other? How do we, how do we behave toward each other? And I always say, 
if you're living by core values and you have a really good set of core values and a lot of big organizations, military has it, fraternities have them, some organizations, corporations have them. We put them together and this was um, uh, the men that I call the men of the round table on my podcast. We put these together and they are courage, honesty, integrity, commitment, duty, honor, and love. And if you're living by those and really hold those dear, um, you can, it just proves what kind of person that you are. And they're in an order, a specific order. Courage coming first, because if you don't have courage, and courage not meaning the absence of fear, but courage meaning doing it in the face of fear. I love John Wayne's um, quote on it, which is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway, right? That is courage. Once you have courage, then you can get to honesty. And this is what you just you know brought up, Bruce, in that question is you have to have courage to really be honest and look at yourself. Because to me, it's all about self first and being honest with yourself and really looking at what do I need to work on? What kind of person am I? And that's when it moves into integrity. And integrity is being singular, right? Being whole. And that is a next level honesty. That's being honest even in private when no one would know whether you did right or wrong, but you still do right anyway because you're in integrity with yourself. So yeah, that truth, that honesty, and you're the only one that knows the truth, right? Because it really is all about you. So it's about that self-honesty and integrity, and it absolutely takes tremendous courage to get to that point. Yes, it does. And uh, it takes a lot of courage to really understand commitment and act on it, too. Mm -hmm. So commitment is something that I think as men, we really have to grab a hold of in order to be the kind of men we need to be. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. I mean, commitment is everything. And it really... You know, for me, when I started really being brutally honest with myself and looking at, you know, where I was out of integrity, almost all the time it came down to commitments, like breaking commitments and then giving myself an excuse or a way out and saying, oh, well, it's because of X, Y, Z. And, you know, I met a man <clears throat> a couple of years ago who was a Navy SEAL. And he tells a great story about, you know, completing the SEAL training, which we know is legendary for being incredibly difficult. And only, you know, like less than 10% of ones that start through the process make it through. And he said upon receiving his um, trident, which is the pin they get when they become a SEAL, he said the commander told them, um, look around at the men left of you and right of you. He said, you're not the best swimmers. You're not the best shots. You're not the best athletes. You may not be the smartest. You may not be the tactically, you know, most whatever. He said, what it is, is you kept your commitment. You kept your word. And that is what we need in the SEALs. Because when you are, your life is on the line to the man to the right of you and the left of you, or their life is in your hands, you want to know unequivocally that man keeps his word, keeps his commitment. And I was blown away by this. So I, it was at a uh, talk that, that he was giving. He had written a book, this retired SEAL. And I went over and had a conversation with him. And he said, Eric, in my book, I actually tell people, do this exercise. Try to keep every commitment you make for four days, just four days, every single commitment. Make commitments, keep them. He said, most people will tell you it is the most difficult thing they can do because we are so used to just treating commitments like it's not that big a deal. When you make that one of your core values and one of your ideals that I am going to keep my commitments, 
your life changes. And then it changes for the people around you too, because they can rely on you at that point. Yeah, your life does change. I've been practicing something called 75 Hard Challenge and uh, started, you probably heard of it. Yeah, started. Andy, uh, yeah, terrific stuff. Yeah, Andy, yeah, yeah. Andy Frizzell. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I started it way back in January. And that's the thing I discovered, just what you're describing that, you know, I thought I could keep a commitment to myself, but it was tough. It was tougher than I realized when I really started to practice that. And I'm, I'm still on it. And I've uh, been really happy with what I've learned from that. And I think, I think that is a duty that we have as, as a man, but as a human being to understand that about commitment. And, and I just want to ask you, what do you think our duty is when it comes to looking after our body? And what is the mindfulness behind that, be, be, behind like, you know, taking care to eat the right kinds of foods and to work out and exercise, all of those kinds of things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I have done that naturally since I was young. I mean, I, that was one of the things that I always kind of had um, from my parents and in growing up was, was staying in shape. Like I said, my dad was an athlete, so he worked out a lot. Even when that wasn't popular, he would go to Jack LaLanne's gyms when they opened those up in New York. And, you know, he played racquetball and kept health, kept healthy. And, and we had, you know, fairly healthy food in the house, but it is really important because I think that, um, you know, it goes to, I look at, you know, the five pillars of what makes us who we are. And, and it's mm-hmm. every area of your life. You know, it's, it's your, your wealth and finance. It's your relationships. It is your health. It is your lifestyle and how you are relaxing and, and getting that. And then it, the, the, the big one, the base one is the mindfulness, right? The, the inside work. So it goes along with all of those. And if you are okay in all areas but one, and we'll just use the health as an example, it can start to erode some of the other ones, right? So if, you're, if your health is starting to lack or you have a belief that I am sick, you have a belief that I have this disease, you have a belief that I am overweight, out of shape, it will start to drag down the other. So it is about being whole, being complete and taking care of everything in your life. So I think that's really where it's important. Oh yeah, I think it's very important too. Eric, were you ever bullied or did you ever bully anyone? I always ask this question because I've worked in this field, but I want to know if you have a story where maybe mindfulness would have made a difference. Yeah, you know, I really, I I wasn't bullied myself as a kid. I mean, I was very weak, very small, very thin. Um, and again, like I said, my mom was very afraid. I didn't play sports in, in school till very late in high school and then into college. But um, so I, I spent a lot of time alone. So I was very much alone. So it wasn't really that much of a bully situation. But the one thing that does stand out and, and going along to mindfulness is I've had this experience several times. And I'll tell you this one story. When I got to college my freshman year, there was a guy in my dorm and we would, you know, see each other in the in the. Um, dining hall, you know, several times a day. And he always gave me these like horrible looks. And he actually played football for our college team. He was a big, big guy. And he was like, you know, 6'3", 260. And he wore this bright electric blue fedora everywhere he went. And I remember looking at this guy and going, that is like ridiculous. That hat's crazy. Like, what is up with that? Like ridiculous hat. And he would always give me these dirty looks. And I heard through, you know, mutual friends, his name also happened to be Eric, which is really funny. 
they said, you know, Eric, you know, I don't know what it is, man. He's got this thing for you. He just does not like you. Um, he's been saying things about you. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is a giant guy really doesn't like me. What does this mean? And eventually, somehow we ended up in a conversation, he and I. I we may have been in a group situation. We ended up in a conversation. It turns out we were so much alike and had so many of the same things, but yet we saw things in each other that were part of who we were that we may have had resistance to and didn't like in ourselves. Like I didn't like his hat. It was had nothing to do with the hat. It had everything to do with, I was jealous of the fact that here was this man that could wear that hat, be who we wanted to be, not give a darn about what anyone else thought and just be who he wanted to be. And I couldn't do that. So I resisted it in him. And there were things about me that he didn't like, you know, that he resisted because he saw things in me that I was able to do that he wasn't. We ended up becoming not only very good friends, we were roommates the next year. Wow. Because we became that close. And what it really did for me was looking at where bullying comes from. And, and when I say bullying, I even take it to the point where as adults, where we may, and listen, this has happened at every business corporation office. You can see this where people try to tear each other down, take each other down, sabotage patterns, all of those things. And a lot of times it comes from what am I seeing in them that I really either don't like in myself or want in myself that I see they have that I don't have. And that comes down to, you know, when we met, we're talking about the, the sacred seven core values, after duty comes honor. And for me, this was huge because I would look at other men specifically, women to an extent too, but mostly men for me that were very successful. And I would be like, I hate that guy. Screw him. He's successful. Mm. I don't want to hear his story. I don't like him. I don't want... It was that jealousy in me of what he had. But when I flipped it and went to awe and appreciation and honor for what he has accomplished and could integrate that in myself by learning from him or, you know, looking at what he'd done, everything changed. And so for me, the bullying in my experience has been that mindset of I don't like that or I'm jealous of that. Or that's something I see in myself that I don't like that I, you know, is out there. But when you change to that honor, that awe, that appreciation, you can go, well, now I need to have a conversation with that person rather than try to tear them down, attack them. I need to have a conversation with them because there's something I can integrate, something I can take on, something that I can own from them. So that's why that honor is so important for us. And it's what my experience with bullying has been. Yeah. And I really love that duty, honor, and then love. Mm -hmm. And as men, I think some of us are afraid of that one, you know, <laughs> like we're like, oh man, I might not be seen as a big man if I yeah. show that I have love. Yes. Like, so what's going on with that? How yeah. do we cross that line <laughs> where we've got this sensitivity, we can show our love, but at the same time, we're not going to get walked all over the place. Yeah. The reason why I'm laughing as you say that, Bruce, is because when we sat in the room and we had, you know, the men of the round table and we sat there and we were hammering out for, you know, a couple of days, what we were going to uses these sacred seven core values uh they came the men in the room said love and and so we wanted you know like i said they're very specific order you know courage honor integrity you have to get to those and commitment and that's when it turns so duty on i mean sorry uh courage honesty and integrity are within you 
Commitment is between yourself and another person. That's the turning point. And then duty, honor, and love are about outside other people. And they said, love. And I said, why love? I mean, come on. Same reason you just said. I yeah. resisted it. And I said, love should not be in here. Love sounds weak. It sounds feminine. This is a masculine ideals we're putting together. And thankfully, I was wrong, 100% wrong. And they did it. And we put it at the end because it is the ultimate. And what I have found, what's been so fascinating is I would tell you that when I was doing the podcast and when I would interview these men, and I'm talking about military veterans who have seen, you know, the horrors of war and, and entrepreneurs who have had the, the worst um, setbacks and failures, which became their greatest lessons and their greatest points in their lives, according to them, which I find wonderful. But the, the thing is, they would all say out of those seven, love was the most important to them. Love was the one that got them through. And love, when you really look at it, is not a feminine, not soft. Love is devastating. Love is the most powerful emotion that we have. Anyone that's ever loved someone truly and lost them knows what that feeling is. Love is all powerful. And when you come, you know, as a man, as a warrior with love, which is why when I talk about the warrior, lover, king, hero, the king is someone who can, king or queen, you know, if you're, if you're a female and listening to this, it is your queen archetype. That is when you can integrate fully your warrior and your lover. And that is when you have that power and that devastating power. But then that also that love and passion and compassion, when you can integrate the two of those together, that's when you truly become king or the queen. When you stop doing for yourself and really fully give to others and drop the ego, that's when you become the hero. And that love portion of it is what is the turning point. So it is absolutely the most powerful, powerful value we can hold dear, ideal, emotion. Love is all of it. I love what you said about dropping the ego. That's so vital for sure. I want to talk about the Complete Man Summit. Sure. Why did you decide to do this? What were your goals? And did you actually achieve the goals that you set out for? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. The, um, the Complete Man Summit was something that came out almost as an extension of the podcast. Um, I wanted, I, I started realizing as I was interviewing a lot of these men, and like you said, I go into their story. I want to hear the story of how you became the man you are. And, and it's all fascinating because I found that we're, we're all on the same journey, Bruce. We really are. Men, women, we're all on the same journey. It's a hero's journey. We hit these challenges. We learn from those challenges. And we move forward to the next and then to the next and then to the next until we achieve, um, you know, our kingdom, queendom, our hero. And I said, you know, I want to do more with some of these men because they have so much to teach, so much that I want to learn from. And that came from that honor of the sacred seven and honoring the contribution, the value, the lessons that these men had learned. And I said, of those five pillars that we talked about, the, you know, the health and wellness, uh, financial relationships, lifestyle, and then inner man, let me bring in five or six experts in each of those areas and ended up being 34 different segments, different master classes. Let me bring in these great men who have something that can offer because mentorship Bruce is something that we've lost. And, and, and as a man, this is really when I started on my journey, that's what I looked for. Where can I find these mentors, these strong, wise men that can help guide me on my path? I was fortunate enough to find many of them. 
in all different areas that guided me along these paths. And I wanted to give that back. And I wanted to say, look, this is a lost art, you'll say, of mentorship where men would pass down knowledge to younger men through the generations. I mean, we used to, you know, after battles, they would have these feasts and the, and the younger men would gather around the men that were in the battle and learn from them, hear the stories. And that's really what I wanted to do. And it was beautiful. I mean, these guys, not only the ones that listened in and got so much value and women listened into this as well and wrote me and said, I know you did this for men, but I learned so much just from hearing these stories. But the men who gave the master classes got something out of it as well because it was a value for them. It was a understanding of where I can be the hero in my life and really give to others. And so, yeah, 100% Bruce, we, we achieved that goal. I'm going to do another one coming up soon. Where I'm going to get, you know, some of the same men, some new men who approached me and said they wanted to do it and, um, and really just continue to give this value because that mentorship, passing down your knowledge, so, so vitally important. Well, I'm fascinated that you're doing this kind of work because I agree. I think that there are a lot of men out there that just need this kind of mentorship for sure, you know, and uh, we have to look for where we can find the best kind of mentorship. Eric, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And so just 30 <laughs> second answers. Are sure. Perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Oh, very. That's an easy one. Rob James, who's one of my mentors and coaches. I train with him regularly. He was the founder of the Self-Discovery Life Mastery work, which is all about, um, you know, growth and mindfulness. And it's a very masculine approach to it. He was a cowboy and a Marine. And he's been a tremendous, tremendous influence on me. Rob James. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, how has mindfulness affected your emotions, Eric? Oh, well, that's a wonderful question. I used to feel that I was overly emotional. I was one of these guys, I would cry at commercials, right? You know, those, you know, around the holiday commercials for the supermarkets. Yeah. And I'd find myself, I'm like, why am I weeping at this? And yeah. I found that I thought I was overly emotional. And then when I got into this work and realized what I was doing, and went along this path, it was being able to feel it all and be able to have command over that and, and be okay with it. Be okay when I am angry and wanting to rage and being okay when I am feeling compassion and empathy and want to weep. And I'm perfectly okay with either one. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Ah, this is something that I learned from Rob James, and this is um, part of what we do, but it is, you know, very intentional breath work. Um, it's a great way to focus, um, and we do it in different areas of the body, different chakras, for those of you that follow that um, prescription. So it is different breathing in the chakras, and I, you can find that you can amp that up. For me, it's building chi and energy in the body, and when I'm feeling down, or listless or, or, you know, uh, lackadaisical, I guess, another word, I will do some of this energetic breathing and it fires me right back up. It's the dynamism flowing in the body. It's the chi building. So if you could recommend a book that's mm. somehow related to mindfulness, what would that be? Yeah, I always reckon it's not really a mindfulness book, but you have to kind of look at it a little deeper, but I love the book Iron John. It's by uh, Robert Bly and Robert Bly is a poet, American poet. And uh -huh. he took a, a grim fairy tale called Iron John. It's about a wild man and a young prince. And to me, it's all about finding that wild man inside all of us and embracing it and the value we can find in it. And it's about commanding that wild man and, and, and doing it from an, a position of empowerment. And, and Bly takes this, he breaks it down and he relates it to almost 
every story, every myth, all literature about how we are all have this inside us, right? The yin yang, the animal and the angel and how we can balance that out and become in this case, the king, which is why I kind of love it. And it's a great story about really looking deep inside and embracing all parts of yourself. Well, I've interviewed over almost 600 people and I've never had that book recommended. So I'm looking forward to checking it out. I haven't read it. It's I, oh, it's, oh, it was written, I think it's getting close to 30 years ago now. And it is yeah. a classic. And, I, and I'd love to hear your feedback after you read it and what you got from it, because it changed my point of view on so many things. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to read that. I'll, I'll, I'll put it on my reading list for sure. So my last question, Eric, sure. are there any apps that you would recommend or maybe some of the men from your Complete Man Summit talked about? Any apps that can help with mindfulness? Um, I don't really use any apps for mindfulness per se because I have such a, a deep practice that I do daily that, that I learned, you know, like I said, from Rob James and self-discovery. But um you know, there are some great apps out there that I know people use. I have friends that use Calm, which I know yes. is a very good one. But for me, the one that I really find helpful sometimes is I use one called Relax Meditation. And this okay. is a wonderful app. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but you can kind of make your own white noise or background noise. They have It's got, you know, dozens and dozens of different sounds. And I will use this sometimes if, if um, I find myself distracted because then I can focus on that, bring my attention to those rather than, you know, let my mind go. And I tend to fall asleep to that every night. I have a habit. I turn it on. It's beautiful white noise that I've made with, you know, um, waterfalls and birds and whatever I like. And I put it on and I just go right out. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, you mentioned your routine. I want to hear about it. Tell us about your routine daily. Um, well, in terms of my practice, you know, there, there's, there's several that I do, but I, I will, you know, Rob and I are in constant contact during the day. And there are times when he'll feel into something and say, Hey, you know, put your attention on this in your practice. So it's very intention oriented. So like I said, there is, if I could describe it in two words, it would be stillness and dynamism. So there is that breathing portion of it. There is stillness and we do it in rounds back and forth, breathing into stillness. And then there are intentions. Um, some people make, you know, call them affirmations if you use that term, but intentions mm -hmm. I find is more directed. So I will have the intentions for the day. What are my intentions for today? And we'll get into those. And there are, there are days when I'll do a practice, uh, you know, multiple times a day if I, you know, quick ones. And again, they don't have to be hours long. That was my biggest misconception about meditation or mindfulness was it had to be an hour, two hours of just stillness. I can do a practice, you know, typical one can go 30 to 60 minutes and I'll do little ones during the day that could be 15 minutes just to get myself back, get centered, get on purpose, get the intentions going and then move forward. So I've found that um, my old habit used to be wanting to power through something. If I was working on something and I, I was like, you know, writer's block or creative block or didn't want to do it or had resist, I would fight through it. Now I'll take a step back, do 10, 15 minutes, get back centered, get on intention and then get back to it. And I find I can flow a lot better that way. Oh, that's great. Well, Eric, it's been really interesting talking to you today. And I really like a lot of your philosophies that you've talked about. And, and uh, you, wow, you've really got a lot to share. Any final words before we say goodbye here today? Uh, yeah, just one thing on, uh, you know, if you're looking at the warriors, lovers, king and hero archetype is just really 
the balance of both sides. Don't be afraid to step into your warrior. Don't be reluctant to embrace your lover. They're, they're beautiful sides of all of us, that masculine and feminine energy. We need the balance in it. We need to embrace them both. That's what makes you the king, the queen, when you can really do those. And then obviously when you start to do that for others, that's when you become the hero. So think every day. I always think, did I create kings, queens, and heroes today? Did I move someone along their path to being their own king, queen, and hero? And that would be my most important message. What a great thought. And I know that you mentioned your website uh, to me earlier called CompleteManSummit.com. Mm -hmm. Is that the best place for Mindful Tribe to go and, and check out what you're up to? Yeah, it is right now. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm rebuilding my website, EricRogel.com. That'll be coming out shortly. But if you want to see what we're doing and, and get into that man or women, even though it's the Complete Man Summit, you don't have to be a man to do it. That's a great, great starting point. It is free, so you can just jump in and you'll get, you know, all kinds of good stuff there. You can meet all the men. You'll, you'll see me. You'll hear my, you know, points on that. And then um, you can contact me. And I always tell people I love this, but I, I love um, LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. Start a conversation. Tell, you know, that is always a great thing for me. Start a conversation. Tell me what you're looking more of. And if I can direct you, I would love to do that. So Mindful Tribe, check out completemansummit.com. And Eric, thanks again for being on Mindfulness Mode. I really appreciate it. Well, Bruce, I absolutely appreciate the invitation. It was wonderful. I love what you're doing and uh, glad I could be here and bring some value today. Great. All the best to you. Bye now. Bye. Mindful Tribe, I hope you've enjoyed today's interview. And if you did, Please tell your friends about the show. Every person who subscribes and listens, that helps our show. And anyone who offers to do a review, that also helps do a review on iTunes or on any app that you listen to the show on. So that would be great. In the meantime, I just wanted to mention what I mentioned partway through the show today that I put together a training module. I wanted to remind you about that. And that can help you if you're experiencing anxiety or stress or if life feels like a struggle for you. So just check out the training, it's free. It's called Five Simple Ways to Move from Struggling to Productive. And you can find that at mindfulnessmode.com slash sunblueprint. So take what you've heard today and reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode. <laughs>